0: Most of us have heard very possibly many times about the Four Noble Truths. But it's so easy to take a teaching like that as a statement about, oh, I don't know, the nature of reality or something like that. But it's actually a statement of practice it's a practice teaching and we may want to practice let's say the third noble truth of realizing awakening realizing release cessation we may even want to practice or be intrigued by practicing or make an effort to practice the fourth truth, the Noble Eightfold Path. But do we want to practice the First Noble Truth? First Noble Truth? Dukkha, right? Mm -hmm. Suffering. So what is it? Is that just a statement that there is suffering? It's not that simple. It's just not. The First Noble Truth says this is to be known, understood, realized, seen in your life. So it's a practice of turning towards the dukkha, turning towards this actual human situation. And this can sometimes look very different from sitting quietly trying to attain peace. In fact, sometimes the sitting quietly to attain peace can be a sort of anti-First Noble Truth practice in the sense of bypassing the actualities of the human experience. I think we all know this. I'm not being particularly clever here. I just want to name it. Meditation can be avoidance fine but what is it to turn towards that's really that's really the question what is it to touch the actualities of this dukkha of this human experience <coughs> and something that can perhaps be helpful in touching the roots you know, the, 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 the dukkha that is known in, in this body-mind, in its elements, is to know the elements of the experience, okay, and an element that is true for all of us is the sheer fact of sensitivity. sensitivity sensitivity of the eyes to light sensitivity of the ears to air pressure sound the nose the the tongue the incredible sensitivity of this body and the unfathomable sensitivity of the mind that a thought a sensation touches. And in response to what is seen, in response to what is heard, there's this blossoming, this mushroom cloud of response that, well, to continue with the metaphor, the radioactivity lasts a long time. You know, something happens and it endures in this life. Some things not so much, some things more. But over the course of a lifetime, what do you get? You get this. You get this life as you're experiencing it now, which is the accumulation of touch after touch after touch of this sensitivity. And if it were just light happening, or just sound happening. Hey, no big deal. The scene is just the scene, the herd is just the herd, the cognized is just the cognized. No problem. But we know that it's well, I was going to say not usually, but let's be blunt. It's almost never like that. Right? So there's the touch and immediately there's perception. Not just sensation, but there's objects and qualities, and those touch into a lifetime accumulated response to these qualities, right? Of liking, disliking, whether it's cultural, genetic, right? Genetic, tremendous amount of conditioning that way. And the particular sensitivities, as we've begun to see, perhaps, or at least talk about, that when the light and the sound or the touch is another human being, then the astonishing sensitivity, like, is amplified by some figure. You can make up somewhere between one and a million. So as life is happening in its own way, there's constant arising and dissolving of worldly things. We know the eight worldly wins, you know, pleasure, pain, gain, loss, good reputation, ill repute, all that kind of stuff. but to actually um, get a sense that in each moment, as the mind tries to construct and stabilize the self in the world, and there's nothing to hold on to, that it's all just being made up moment by moment, and something deep in us can feel that. And when we see it in meditation, it can be incredibly scary. Perhaps you've touched that. But certainly, when you see, let's say, in a close relationship, and that relationship dissolves, and that part of you that was tied up with relationship, that relationship dissolves with it, and that hurts. Let's say just something as simple as one of your parents or siblings, or spouse dies. Ripping out from all those, a lifetime of neural networks and hormonal cellular responses with this person and all of a sudden, we're so disoriented because with this death, where do we stand? This was me, right? This was part of me. And it's confusing and it's difficult, but it's, right? it's a basic fact of being born. We are born, we die. Everyone around us is born, they die. Relationships are born, relationships die. Circumstances are born, circumstances die. Rising and vanishing, that's the human condition. And the trying to stabilize in that and construct and create strategies for, for getting along. This is the kind of the project, the project of trying to get it to work out. And yet, well, what can I say, good luck. You know, it's, it's, out, it's out of your control, it's out of my control, and I don't know anybody who does have any control. You could petition them if you find them. So, turning towards this as a practice, not just we talk about it a little bit, You say, oh, that was a a nice little Dhamma talk on the First Noble Truth. And then somehow it doesn't penetrate this life and uh, uh, give rise to the movement of turning towards the dukkha, knowing the dukkha. And actually there's some good sense to not doing that if we don't know how. Because the way that we usually respond to Dukkha is we palliate. We just take what we can <coughs> to make it okay enough for now. You know, we, we, we have the, the alcoholic drink or we distract ourselves with the television. This is the stream. This is the going with the stream, is the, that kind of medicating and the not seeing. Of course, we also have, this is where meditation reveals its brilliance. We have this opportunity to, in actual practice, to know the the way the mind grips, to look at the nature of dukkha in the moment of its arising. And basically, the looking is the pause. It's the knowing things as they actually are. And the relax is now a real shift in stance to receive that, to receive it with skill, to bring stability to the mind, to not go with the stream that when the suffering comes up, we have to uh, get out, away from it. But that in that very same moment, it's known as it is, the turning towards is very clear, very distinct, The sati says, okay, it's like this now. And the turning towards then of the relax, receive, allow. Which is very different, very different relationship. It's a relationship with experience that we're we're entraining, that we're learning in meditation. It's a relationship with experience. It's the experiences of the mind that are recognized when we sit in silence. And it's an experience, experiences of the body that are recognized. And in relational meditation, the experiences of the mind and the body and the experience in action of this, of the world, being with another in this world, where both are looking together which provides some kind of strength to remember, to not fall in. Or if you fall in, at least there's another reference point, which is another aware person to remind us to not get lost, to not stay lost in the fabricating flailing of our dukkha. You can sit in silent meditation for hours, days, and even weeks, flailing. If you sit with another person and you're completely lost in your flailing, it's gonna be noticed in a couple of minutes. So that kind of agitating presents itself very clearly. So, When we say, let's practice, this practice includes this right view, this understanding of dukkha, the sensitivity, the basic sensitivity of the human body-mind. And right view includes understanding the nature of our reactions that try to deal with this sensitivity and this whole constructing mind that tries to stabilize itself. And right view includes the understanding of turning towards. And that the path, the path of practice doesn't go around the human experience, it goes right through it. It's a very different orientation than uh, let's just cope a little better. You understand that it's really meeting the totality of this experience, but with skill with compassion, with love, with awareness, with patience, and with a a clearness, not just of sati, but of samadhiti, of right view, of really having something that orients us. And so this is our practice. This is what we're doing.